This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And coming up, we're going to talk to the CEO and president of the Surrey Hospitals Foundation. They are doing some incredible work, especially in this time of COVID. And we'll hear all about that. But first, some of the consumer news headlines from the past week. This isn't really news for most people, but Vancouver is one of the most unaffordable cities in the world for home ownership, according to a new survey. The Demographia International Housing Affordability Survey shows that Vancouver is second only to Hong Kong when it comes to lack of affordability. We just beat out Sydney, Australia, which is a close third behind us. The survey compares housing prices to the average incomes of the people who live in those houses and found that out of 92 cities, only four were rated affordable. Pittsburgh, Rochester, Buffalo, and St. Louis. They all scored under three. Anything above five was considered severely unaffordable. Vancouver scored a 13. The most affordable cities in Canada? Edmonton and Calgary. They were considered only moderately unaffordable. Toronto was 9.9. Montreal is 5.6. Vancouver, as I mentioned, is 13. But we're not alone. According to the authors of the survey, the unaffordability of cities has grown steadily since 2004. And amidst all the bad news about unemployment in B.C., there's some good news for our economy, according to a new forecast. Central One Credit Union is predicting that the B.C. economy is going to grow by 4.2% this year and by 4.5% in 2022. Things like machinery and housing are expected to get a big boost as the world slowly moves on from COVID-19. However, it's not expected to be so rosy for the face-to-face businesses. Restaurants and tourism-related businesses are expected to take a little longer to come back. And yeah, we get it. It's a funny name for a park. But people should stop stealing the sign for Dude Chilling Park. Someone has stolen it again. The Dude Chilling Park sign, which is actually a piece of public art. Uh, The park is actually Guelph Park. Has gone missing again for the third time. It'll cost about $1,300, but the sign is going to be replaced. Uh, Probably take about 10 days. The sign was initially a piece of rogue art installed by an artist working on his own. Back in 2012, it has since officially become a piece of public art. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. Coming up, there are reasons we have such great health care in this province. And one of the big ones is the work done by the Surrey Hospital Foundation. We'll hear from the president and CEO of the foundation and hear about the uh, big plans that they have for the future as they continue to make our health care world-class in this part of the province. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues on CKNW right after this. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. And, you know, since 1992, Surrey Hospitals Foundation has been a major force in this province, uh, supporting innovative, life-changing, world-class health care, raising over $160 million. And with me right now is the president and CEO of the Surrey Hospitals Foundation, Jane Adams. Hello, Jane. How are you doing? I'm well. 
That is awesome. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about what exactly the Surrey Hospitals Foundation is. A lot of people think, uh, well, it's, it has to do with Surrey Memorial, but it's a lot more than that. Obviously, Surrey Memorial is the centerpiece, but d- describe what the Surrey Hospital Fa- Hospitals Foundation is. Well, thank you for the opportunity, and thank you for getting that S right. In fact, we just added the S to our official name within the last year. And you might wonder, and your listeners might wonder, why that is. Because for a very long time in the city of Surrey, which is a very large city, the second largest um, in the province, we had uh, one facility. In fact, when I arrived here 12 years ago, uh, Surrey Memorial was a 430-bed hospital. But since that time, with investment from um, the government and a lot of investment from the community, we've expanded Surrey Memorial um, to include one of the most advanced critical care towers in Western Canada. Um, and we're now 630-bed hospital. And I would add that that um, critical care tower has been a tremendous asset, not just to our city, but to the province during um uh, and as we continue uh, during a pandemic because it was built to the highest possible infection control uh, standards. Um, so that was wonderful. And then we also added uh, the Jim Patterson Outpatient Care and Surgery Centre, which is, I believe, still one of the largest outpatient uh, care facilities in Western Canada. Um, we have advanced ORs there and a very large uh, diagnostic uh, footprint, and we offer more more than 60 different medical clinics there. Um, And we also, uh, a few years ago, we were fortunate enough to be the recipient of what was Canada's largest uh, charitable donation in support of Alzheimer's care when the Stewart family donated the Chorney Alzheimer's um, facility to our foundation. It's a 72-bed Alzheimer's Uh, facility uh, that was built to the most advanced standards um, in over two phases Uh, and uh, the family built it as a gift to the people of uh, Surrey and Fraser Health had been operating it and Three years ago, the family gifted uh, the facility and the land to our hospital foundation, and we are, uh, Fraser Health actually operates it, um, although we were fortunate to receive uh, the gift of the facility and the land. And then, um, of course, your listeners would be aware that the government has announced that they will be opening um, another new hospital, building and opening a new hospital in Surrey in the Cloverdale area, and we will, at some future date, uh, be raising money for that, uh, that new addition to kind of our health ecosystem here in Surrey. So we're definitely... Uh, uh, we are deserving of the S, so we're uh, we're delighted that uh, there's been a recognition that our city needs more medical services, and you know both uh, the government and our community have stepped up and helped to uh, build these these wonderful places. So definitely more than just Surrey Memorial, and I'm I'm glad you mentioned the S because I uh, I always remembered it as Surrey Hospital Foundation. But if you want to go to their website. SurreyHospitalsFoundation.com. They can always use your help. And uh, it is a little bit of everything. There are so many things. Because I'm looking at this. Uh, Over 5,000 babies are born inside the Mata Tripta family birthing unit every year. 5,000 new human faces 
arriving on the scene every year. And then you were talking about the Chorney Alzheimer Center uh, for seniors. So it is cradle to the grave, so to speak. I, I hope that doesn't sound too morbid, but it, it, it's really amazing what the Surrey Hospitals Foundation does uh, for healthcare. It, it, it is such an all-encompassing thing. You must be very proud to be part of that. You know, it's been a very exciting time to be here in Surrey. Uh, you know, our city continues to grow by more than a thousand new residents uh, a month, and um, with that growth comes vibrancy, and uh, of course, it comes need in terms of uh, healthcare. But uh, our community's always had a very can-do approach um, when it comes to healthcare generally and to expansion. In fact. Um, the story of how Surrey Memorial came to be is quite interesting. Um, uh, it, it, the memorial, we have memorial in the name of the facility because it was started by the vets and their family after the Second World War. Um, after the Second World War, World War, a lot of vets came home. Um, and, uh, we, you know, North Surrey in particular had been heavily logged, and there was a lot of land here to build houses. So the population grew quite quickly, and there was no hospital um, uh, here in the city at this time. People were expected to go across the river to the Royal Columbian, um, and the vets and their families thought, well, we could do better than that. So they worked uh, very hard, and they lobbied the government, and the government of the day said, you know, if you raise half the money, uh, we'll give you the other half, and we'll build the hospital. And so uh, the you know, they had penny sales and teas, and they did all sorts of things, and they raised half the money, and then uh, they announced to the to, to the leaders of the day, we have the, the funds, and, um, uh, you know, I, I guess that there were, had been a change of uh, uh, sentiment at, uh, in Victoria, and so they were told, the volunteers that had raised all this money, that, uh, you know, the match was no longer there. And uh, I love this story in particular as we approach International Women's Day because the women uh, auxiliary that had formed to help raise the money for the hospital said this just won't do and so they put on their hats and their finest clothes and they um, chartered planes private planes 150s from the Boundary Bay Airport um, and they flew to Victoria and they kind of charged the uh, the uh, government host there and um, after they left, uh, the, the government had seen the light and said, yes, they would match, and the shovel was in the ground in very short order, and that's the story of how we got uh, Surrey Memorial. So we have the vets and all the hardworking sort of early residents of this part of Surrey to thank for their just sheer determination. But I think that whether it's, you know, the vets or whether it's new Canadians that are arriving from all over the world, I think that sort of determination to ensure that we can look after people and we can look after people well close to home, um, whether that's at the beginning of life or end of life. That's always been very important to our residents, and uh, we're so proud here in the Foundation to work alongside of them to make that happen. Well, that, that's such an awesome story, and, and it's great that you're continuing that legacy of uh, supporting the hospital and the surrounding uh, clinics and hospitals uh, at the Surrey Hospitals Foundation. Uh, we're talking to Jane Adams on Vancouver Consumer uh, I'm Martin Strong. Jane is the president and CEO of the Surrey Hospitals Foundation. And uh, you were talking about World War II 
Jane, and, uh, you know, the kind of challenges that that uh, presented. And I, I would imagine that uh, not since World War II has, uh, have we seen those kind of challenges that we're seeing now with COVID. How has COVID affected uh, the work that you do with Surrey Hospitals Foundation? And, uh, and, and, and not only for raising money, but also uh, the challenges that you faced in, in providing health care for people. Well, I'm glad you asked about that because Surrey and I mentioned earlier that um, we were so fortunate to have had the investment in our critical care tower, which meant we had a very large ICU and um, everything was built to very high infectious disease control standards and we had attracted and recruited just some outstanding um, critical care um, doctors everywhere from our, our ER to our ICU. So when COVID started to present um, in Canada and BC, um, we were designated as a major COVID center and um, uh, people started to, uh, you know, thing, all, all the businesses around started to close down, patients started to appear in our emergency in our ICU, just like in other major hospitals. Um, and the hospital needed support in a variety of ways, as, as you know, we can talk about the money later, but just very basic things like food and sustenance, because you suddenly had these healthcare workers working round the clock. Um, you know, there, the, the, the staff rooms were closed down. They couldn't use microwaves or whatever because, you know, you had to keep everything sterile, not be sharing food. There were no nearby restaurants opened. Even the um, some of the retailers we had in the hospital, uh, because they couldn't uh, get staff, their, their uh, hours were cut or, or eliminated. So suddenly you had these thousands and thousands of people working around the clock with, um, you know, no f- food and water, water, so to speak, not to sound too dramatic. So you know, from the outset, the community was so supportive, um, and we created a, a, a meals and nourishment program, and we worked with local restaurants and banquet halls and brought in tens of thousands of nutritious uh, meals uh, for uh, staff. We also realized that... Um, you know, the snack rooms, or, or sorry, the staff rooms. We have over 40 staff rooms at, at Surrey Memorial. Um, we needed to keep those staff rooms uh, uh, provisioned with um, snacks and coffee, etc. And so uh, we, again, worked with local retailers, whether they were uh, uh, smaller stores like uh, local uh, uh, fruit and veg stores to large multinationals like Walmarts, uh, again, they worked with us to provision all of our staff rooms for months and months and months. So those tired and weary healthcare workers, when they needed a break, they could have a cup of coffee or, or a snack. And we had a very interesting donation. There's a, a local, um, uh, very well-known local uh, furniture designer and builder here in Surrey called Van Gogh uh, 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 Furniture. And they have a big operation out in Campbell Heights. And they reached out to us and said, uh, what can we do? And, you know, well, maybe your listeners don't know this, but uh, because uh, uh, we don't get any 
uh, funding for our staff rooms, hospital staff rooms, not just at Surrey, but any other hospital I've worked in in Canada, are always sort of a very eclectic collection <laughs> of uh, uh, furniture and cast-offs and right. things. And so Van Gogh stepped up, and they said over the next few years, I mean, they were prepared to do it right away, but we, we couldn't take our staff rooms all out of operation. But we've worked out a plan with them, and they are coming in and looking at the ergonomic needs and of our staff, and over a period of a few years, they're going to replace um, all of the furniture in our staff room. So again, our hardworking staff have, um, you know, a, a comfortable place to sit, to take a 15-minute snooze, maybe to lie down to, uh, you know, make that call to mom or dad or the kids. And, um, you know, people were just so creative and resilient. And so the foundation, we had the good fortune, and I really say good fortune because I know a lot of people throughout this have been isolated at home, and every day, me and my team, we've had the opportunity to show up in a safe workplace and help contribute to uh, the, some solutions that are uh, that the, the healthcare system is bring, bringing to the people of BC. So I, we consider it a great privilege. But that that furniture one was uh, was very interesting. And then of course um, the hospital needed a, a equipment, and they needed everything from um, tablets because suddenly you had large numbers of people who came to the hospital um, were in hospital for quite some time. Some of them actually, um, you know, were unconscious for part of that. And families couldn't visit because, of course, they had to prevent um, a lot of visitation hospitals and long-term care facilities. And so uh, one of the first things we did is we uh, bought, invested, and we worked with TELUS, and we invested in tablets. Um, so we could keep our patients connected to their families. So, you know, caregivers, nurses could uh, bring tablets in and make sure that people could stay connected and see their loved one and, and, and uh, hear their voice during some very trying times. We also, of course, needed um, critical care equipment. And I'm happy to say that because the community was generous. I think um, from the time COVID started till today, people have donated more than $1.6 million um, to our COVID relief fund. Um, and we've purchased over 134 pieces of equipment. And that's everything from um, tablets to life-saving equipment for our ICU, for our ER. So we were very grateful because people um, uh, donated the funds and our board uh, said we have to create a, a COVID fund people can go give to so they know their money is being put to use right away for uh, COVID for the relief of, of both patients and families. We could get that money to work right away and, and uh, we did. I think we've expended about 85% of what we've collected. We also um, uh, we've invested in more than 24 research studies um, here at Surrey and uh, Surrey Memorial and with, with other academic partners to look at uh, sort of how to suppress the disease, how to treat the disease. Um, so again, it's it's been wonderful to uh, for the to work with the community to help with solutions. And I don't know, your listeners may not be aware, but um, in fact, the hard work of our frontline teams here in Surrey caught the attention of the royal family. Oh, really? And, well, yeah. let's, let's talk about that. Let's take a quick break, and I want to hear about... Uh... <laughs> I want to hear about the royal family. Uh, this is Vancouver Consumer. That's Jane Adams, the president and CEO of the Surrey Hospital Foundation. And as you just heard, uh, doing some great work. And it, it, it's stuff that you don't even think about sometimes. Sometimes it's just furniture 
for a healthcare worker to to take a nap on uh, because they're working so hard in COVID. But we'll talk w- more with Jane, the president and CEO of the Surrey Hospitals Foundation. You can go to surreyhospitalsfoundation.com and you can support this very, very worthy cause. And we'll be back with more when Vancouver Consumer continues on CKNW. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and we're talking to Jane Adams, the president and CEO of the Surrey Hospitals Foundation. Uh, Surrey Hospitals with an S now, because there are so many different uh, facilities that Surrey Hospitals Foundation supports, and you can be part of that by going to uh, www.surreyhospitalsfoundation.com and becoming part of this. And Jane, you you talked a little bit about the challenges with COVID, and uh, one thing that I think a lot of people—I I mean, I'm guilty of this too—is is we were so supportive of of healthcare workers in the beginning, and and we sometimes take it for granted the role that healthcare providers providers have 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 provided in this past 12 months um what what's your opinion do we need some kind of uh a, a stat holiday commemorating healthcare workers once this thing is all over uh what would you like to do for healthcare workers well, we're definitely going to have some sort of celebration here. I think it was it really buoyed the spirits of healthcare workers uh, early on with the with the uh, you know the seven o'clock tribute with the pot banging and the emergency service vehicles would uh, circle around uh, different hospitals in in the province. That kind of camaraderie in a time of crisis, there's nothing like it. I think it's wonderful. Um, healthcare workers are like everyone else. We we miss the ability to hug someone we love or reach out and touch someone. So I know that here we've been talking about when it is possible to kind of come together in a more natural way, what we might do. Um, we've had an annual um, uh, barbecue prior to COVID, where we have thousands and thousands of our staff come out. And um, one of my board members told uh, told me a few weeks ago that he and his family would really, really like to um, sponsor that and put on something quite uh, wonderful, where all the healthcare workers uh, can come and we'll have uh, members, volunteers and other people from the community there serving and just extending their, their thanks. And, you know, everyone likes to feel that they... Acknowledgement, uh, I, I think, is is so important, and it, it really feeds the soul. So, whether it's at Surrey or you know in Langley or Delta, I think everyone's looking forward to uh, kind of celebrating some normalcy and doing it uh, by paying some tribute to the people who were very front and center in the in the fight. Yeah, they certainly deserve it. And and there's nothing like the kind of gratitude that you have. And even before COVID, uh, when you get uh, a healthcare professional on any level, whatever it is, even the person who's selling magazines in the, in the hospital, all the way up to a surgeon, uh, when you need care and you get care, um, I have never been more grateful that somebody went to school for 12 years or however long it took uh, to, to take care of me. And, and it's that kind of uh, 
that gratitude that I think a lot of people have, and that and that can um, translate to going to SurreyHospitalsFoundation.com and supporting uh, the Surrey Hospitals Foundation because the the work you do. I mentioned earlier about. 5,000 babies born every year in the Mata Tripta family birthing unit. Um, and that goes all the way to senior care as well. Uh, the kind of work you do is, is so important. Uh, at, the, at the risk of getting kind of mushy, uh, I, I just think that uh, what Surrey Hospitals Foundation is doing is, is it's, it's a big, um, d- does it feel like a big responsibility for you? It must, you must be very proud of what you do. You know, it, it's wonderful. And you mentioned we are there for families from, from the beginning until the end. In in, hosp- in other cities, there's been sort of specialization. So there might be a hospital for children or a hospital for adults, a hospital for birthing women. But because we only had the one hospital for such a very, very long time, um, we do very, very large volumes of everything. And so we are the largest hospital in BC that treats people from uh, at every stage of, of life. Um, and it is a privilege, you know, because you see everybody at every stage of life. Our children, young families love to live in Surrey. It's a wonderful place. We have the largest school district, um, and we birth a kindergarten class every two days here. <laughs> um, we have a lot of babies, and we're seeing double-digit uh, growth uh, wow. in the number of women who are uh, delivering their children here. Um, and we also have, when we built our tower, we have a 48-bed uh, intensive care unit for babies as well, our NICU, and that serves the whole region. So children who often, because of prematurity, that need uh, some extra help uh, at the beginning of their life uh, can spend time with us. In addition um, to serving the people of Surrey and all the surrounding cities, of course, our NICU is part of the, sort of the provincial pool of beds available um, to folks uh, who may be you know, in the north or anywhere in the province and uh, be in distress and need that special care. So we're very, very pleased that we have uh, a busy and large uh, NICU as well. So, um, But having all those children, uh, it's interesting. Uh, we, one of the things we do need more of, and the community has been supporting us, 43% of all of the children in this province live in Surrey and surrounding communities in Fraser wow. Health, 43%. The next closest um, population would be 23% in Vancouver coastal region. So the vast majority of children um, live in Surrey and surrounding communities. And um, we really, really do need to build more infrastructure here. So you know, families can get care for their children close to home. Um, The average size of a family in Surrey is larger than other parts of uh, British Columbia. And so the reality for a lot of um, families is if your four-year-old needs a specialist appointment in Vancouver, you have to pull all the kids, you have to take a day off work, you have to pull all the kids out of school um, and drive 45 kilometers each way. Um, And for some services, we'll always need that. But for a lot of services, you know, that we need to continue to recruit specialists here and build uh, build the services uh, that we need close to home. We have a campaign underway now to refurbish our Children's Health Center, which was built mm, 23 years ago, um, and we are doubling the number of outpatient uh, clinic rooms because the good thing, I mean, 
children get very sick very fast, but they also get they have the ability to get better very fast. And if you look at the number of children we see uh, before COVID that we saw in our pediatric emergency, one of only two in BC, um, we saw close to 46,000 children. That's like Rogers Arena filled to capacity twice. We saw that in one year. So a certain percentage of those children, I mean, are sick enough that they have to spend overnight with us, and we have a 20-bed um, children's health center. But the vast majority will need some sort of, you know, maybe they have diabetes, maybe they've broken a limb and they need to go to an orthopedic clinic, or they need some sort of uh, clinic visits and um, follow-up. And so we only had uh, we only had seven outpatient rooms before, and this renovation is going to double that, so we'll have more space for more specialists. We've um, completely relocated and expanded our uh, oncology unit for children. We see about 20% of all the new uh, cancer uh, diagnosis in children in the, in the province here, um, and prior to the renovation, we didn't have a designated area uh, to prep and um, bring children back to after surgery and we do about 1200 surgeries a year on on kids so um, we're going to add uh, an, and open a, a pre and post surgical area for children so that renovation is a great start on the um, you know on, on adding services for children and of course one of the most common afflictions of young people um, is mental illness and of course COVID and all of the sort of social constraints that have been put on young people um, during this time have have had an impact on families and particularly on children and so we continue to need to expand and improve our um, mental health services and facilities for um, children uh, from 17 and and under so that's a big that'll be a big push for us over the next um, you know, 12 to 18 months as well. Mm-hmm. Jane Adams is the president and CEO of the Surrey Hospitals Foundation. And uh, as we're hearing, it's it's kind of a holistic approach to health care in the Surrey region. And um, I mean, a lot of people, you're talking about babies. A lot of people uh, now have uh, older parents and uh, the kind of health care they need is very specific. So how can people get involved and, and give? What is the best way for people to get involved with the Surrey Hospitals Foundation and uh, and donate money and what what do you recommend people do? Well, we're, our website is the easiest, or you can call our office at six zero four five eight eight three three seven one. And you know we recognize pe- people's budgets are are all different. We have monthly giving plans for uh, you know as little as uh, twenty dollars a month. Uh, you know, a donor can pay for craft supplies for our young uh, children who are on the ward uh, for quite some time. So um, you can join our uh, Community uh, Champions Program. That's a program for businesses, large and small, starts from a $1,000 donation and upwards. Um, and it's a way for us to work with businesses to make some positive uh, changes in health care. We have... Uh, uh, you know, it, it's on pause now, but we have a very popular gala every year, um, and we're hoping we'll be back at it in 2022. And we always need sponsors to support that, and we need volunteers. 
um, you know, volunteers for everything fo- to uh, doing uh, focus groups around uh, improved services to uh, giving us feedback on a variety of things. So we have, an, we have a space on our website for people to sign up and, and uh, become volunteers. And I know right now a lot of people probably don't want to come to hospitals, but in the not too distant future, I think there'll be, you know, uh, there'll be some normalcy again and uh, we, our doors are always open and, and we have opportunities to, uh, to get involved and they're on our website if you'd like to go to our website. And that website is surreyhospitalsfoundation.com, hospitals with an S, surreyhospitalsfoundation.com and Jane Adams, President and CEO of the Surrey Hospitals Foundation. Thank you so much for talking to us. Uh, you do some great work and I, I just wish you all the best. Thank you very much, and thanks to your listeners. Yeah, you're very, very welcome. On behalf of the listeners, this is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong, and when we come back, we're going to ask Andrew. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, along with Andrew Ferreira. He's the executive producer of Vancouver Consumer, and it's time for our feature, Ask Andrew. And Andrew, uh, you're a sucker for flowers and uh, and springtime as things slowly kind of become spring-like here in Vancouver. And, you know, with spring usually comes, you know, what seems to be weeks and weeks of, of light rain showers. Um, <laughs> That's true. Don't look at the forecast, folks. No. Um, but the Vancouver Terry Blossom Festival comes around, you know, people start to think about it around this time every year. You know, March is in a few days. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. It feels like yesterday was October and last week was 2018. Well, I hear a lot about the Cherry Blossom Festival, but I don't really know what it is. So Vancouver's got something like 40,000 cherry blossom trees. A lot of them are gifts from Japan, uh, actually, where, you know, cherry blossom festivals as a, as a, as a broad category really are, you know, uh, part of the culture. Um, and so Vancouver's kind of adopted that, being Vancouver, um, we're the, the wonderful melting pot that we are. Uh, around, you know, March and April, uh, when the cherry blossoms really start to bloom, you always see those Instagram pictures of, you know, like those tree-lined streets where it's just like a canopy of pink. Um, and that's really what this is. And usually, you know, don't get me wrong, I enjoy going to see the cherry blossoms. It's always fun for me in the spring because I'm a bit of a photography nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year, it's going to be one of like the only things that we really can do, <laughs> given the pandemic. Yeah. Um, you know, as with all events that, you know, we plug on here, that we talk about, that we promote, that we say, go and look at this. Uh, you know, do, you know, be wary, go with your bubble, practice social distancing, all the good stuff. Um, but this is an opportunity, you know. The Cherry Blossom Festival usually runs um, usually something like April, you know, from the beginning of April to the end of April. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't go outside and appreciate, you know, not even just the cherry blossoms, uh, but as, you know, winter kind of releases its horrible, horrible grip uh, on Vancouver, things are already starting to bloom a little bit. So, you know, as much as it's important to, you know, go out and support the Cherry Blossom Festival. There's lots of stuff you can do. Uh, you can just Google the Vancouver Cherry Blossom Festival 2021. There's going to be all sorts of online events um, that'll be held in concert with it. There's going to be uh, a haiku invitational, which I, I'm a bit of a nerd, so I kind of really want to listen yeah. to that. There's going to be, you know, uh, something called a sound walk dance. 
Uh, you're going to be able to share your pictures on, on social media and have it promoted. So there's lots to do online. But maybe consider this more of a, a, a call to action to go out and appreciate the fact that winter is on its way out and spring is here. Uh, and hopefully, you know, things are going to look a little bit rosy, kind of like the cherry blossom petals. Yeah. I mean, this time of year, you can't beat it in Vancouver. It's a little iffy. You know, all of a sudden you get snow and then it, and then the sun comes out and then it rains for four days in a row. But it, it really is a beautiful time of year. And it's especially this year, we need it. So enjoy the Cherry Blossom Festival. Uh, that was Andrew, uh, Andrew Ferreira. I'm Martin Strong. And that's it for Vancouver Consumer this week. Uh, we'll be back next week, Saturdays at 2 o'clock. We'll see you then. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.